Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a AAA baseball team in minor league baseball, and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the Leadership is Female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity, learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. Today, I welcome Britt Larson to the Leadership is Female podcast. No, she's not a sports executive like you are used to hearing from, but she's offering us some new valuable perspective on something I know we can all use, career confidence coaching. This podcast is for you, and a theme has arisen from all of our guests. One of the keys to leveling up is confidence, confidence in yourself inwardly and outwardly, supporting your team, but also the ability to articulate the contributions you are personally making to elevate the company. Take responsibility for your great actions and learn to sing your own praises. We've been taught from a young age not to brag. I myself have had a lot of issues around this. There is a difference between confidence and bragging. Confidence is sharing your story from a place of service. Think about this. If you have the courage to point out all that you are doing to contribute to the company and give them an opportunity to create an even bigger role for you and make even greater contributions, how is that a bad thing? Sometimes we have our heads down for too long, being too humble, when really we can't let our great work go unnoticed take the credit and not only will it help you, but it will help your employer to recognize a rising star. Okay, let's get into this. Welcome to episode seven of the Leadership is Female podcast. On today's episode of the Leadership is Female podcast, we've got Britt Larson, career coach and creator of Livelihood, a community of women who work. Britt is a champion of women in the workplace, and she hosts the Livelihood podcast to celebrate working women and to help them find joy in their jobs. Her extensive career in public affairs prepared her to now guide working women to figure out how to get what they want and need from their careers. Britt, welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I'm so excited to to talk to you and to talk to your listeners. So I'm glad to be here. We cannot wait to hear from you. This whole podcast is about uh, how to learn the tools that you need to level up so that we can lead her forward. And so I want you to tell us more about yourself and livelihood and how do you help women to gain the confidence and pursue the career of their dreams? Well, I feel really blessed and grateful that I was raised by a very strong woman. And I usually start there because I think it's really important that if you uh, have been given success or been blessed with things that you didn't have control over, that you make sure to acknowledge them. And my mom was uh, an entrepreneur for several years and I got to watch her uh, build her business as a young child. And so I never really doubted that I would work, that I would have a career and that that would be an important part of my life. 
but I had lots of different interests. I grew up performing. I am about the least athletic person on the planet. So <laughs> I love that your audience is probably going to be like, oh, this is the first non-sporty woman on your, on your podcast. But um, I, I grew up performing, dancing, things like that. I also have always loved politics. I also really loved to write and uh, was interested in journalism. So after I graduated from college and I studied a little bit of everything, I have a poli-sci degree and a communications degree, I realized that I really wanted to end up in Washington, D.C. So I started out in a really low position right out of college on Capitol Hill after interning at NBC News in Washington, D.C. I realized that I didn't want to do comms, broadcast work. I wanted to be on the side kind of making the news, but I loved that I had a video background. So eventually about six months out of school, I was promoted to be the communications director for a congressman who was super active in the media. And it's not uncommon to be young and be thrown a job that you're not really prepared or qualified for in DC. It's one of the reasons there's a lot of problems in politics, but I was 21. And so I was the youngest communications director on the Hill. And really that experience kind of catapulted me to quickly have to figure out how to be professional, how to dress for the job I want and not the job that I have and to look older than I was because my, uh, predecessor was in his 40s. Uh, and when he left, I replaced him. So that was a huge learning curve. And through that experience and realizing that I just had no idea how to advocate for myself to figure out what I was worth. When I got promoted and they asked me what I wanted to get paid, I just stared at them. I mean, I had no idea how to do any of these kind of real life things. Uh, and I realized none of my friends did either. You know, we'd we'd talk and we'd realize we graduated with some good skills, but not a lot of the real life skills that especially women need because sometimes either our personalities don't lend towards these skill sets and uh, that can be part of the problem or we just don't see it. You know, we've seen men ask for what they're worth. And so over time in different positions, as I worked um, for a governor and then eventually moved into the private sector, I became the go-to of my friends for reviewing resumes and hey Britt, I have this problem with my boss. And then it, you know, became family friends and friends of friends. And I realized that my management skills that I was teaching myself basically on the job again, because no one had, I didn't take a management course. I, I didn't, I wasn't a business major was bleeding into my relationships and, and helping people. And about three years ago, I realized I actually like that more than the stuff that I'm doing all day. <laughs> I really liked being able to uh, help women see what they were worth, uh, guide them to their next promotion, and really just be their cheerleader. And so I was slowly, you know, rising in my own career. My last position that I had in a corporate uh, company was a vice president of, over advertising. So that's my background is, you know, public affairs work like that. But I launched Livelihood as a side hustle, really just to be kind of a fun little hobby. And then I started having people come to me and paying me for the things that I was doing for friends and family. 
And uh, over time, livelihood has grown. It's been crazy to me because when I launched it, it's kind of at the height of the Me Too movement, you know, when things were really heated. And I just wanted to be a positive voice celebrating working women. Not that what was happening with the Me Too movement was negative. I want to clarify that because I always feel like I have to add that. I thought it was amazing. All these women coming forward and sharing their stories but I just wanted to be an added voice that you can love your job and it can be fun to go to work and that it's awesome to make money. And there are cool things that can come from your career that you can't get out of any other aspect of your life. And you can also enjoy having a family or traveling or other parts of your dreams and have a fulfilling career. So last August, I took livelihood full-time I left my corporate job and I've been career coaching now full-time. I was doing it again, like I said, kind of as a side hustle and I was having to turn people away and I just was realizing it was so much more fulfilling than my corporate job. And for the season of life that I'm in, it just made a lot of sense. So that's what I'm doing now is um, running different aspects of the livelihood community. And then I, I work with men as well. I partner with a resume company and really have refined my career discovery process to help women kind of figure out what their next step is. So that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> and this is why Britt is on the podcast today, because we align so wholeheartedly around the proverbial, you can have it all, because the you can have it all is, that's by your own definition. That's not a definition that anybody else created. And having it all means having happiness in your life, feeling fulfillment with, with your job, uh, with your family, with your hobbies, with how you show up every day. There is no trophy. There is no first place prize for the woman who has it all to some type of metric. It is all about how you create the life that you want. And that's what Britt helps people do. And she's going to share so much great information with us today. So can you tell us some of the advice that you give women on how to get over the biggest hurdles in their careers? So one of the things that I always start with is just accepting that there are going to be challenges and that a lot of the myths around careers come from, you know, some of the things that we've heard or watched, like the corporate ladder, for example, I like to say that your job is likely going to feel more like a roller coaster than slow and sure steps up a very sturdy ladder. And I saw you kind of smirk, you know, it's, that's every woman knows that whether it's a move or marriage or a bad breakup or a job that you take that you think is going to be it. And then it turns out it's not everything you thought it would be. We have challenges that are going to come and the more that we can kind of accept that and know that they're going to come i think the more we can enjoy the ride instead of thinking oh, okay once i do this then i'll take this next step in my own career basically what happened as i explained i got promoted to be a communications director and i had written out in several different planners i'm a very goal-centric person I want to be a communications director by the time I'm 30. Well, I became a comms director when I was 21 and it totally threw me off. And I didn't really know what I wanted after that because after doing it for a few years, 
I was really confused. And so my first piece of advice is just to accept that life is going to happen. No job is perfect. And that would kind of get into my second piece of advice is that I personally don't believe that there's any such thing as a dream job, but that you can build your dream life. And I love what you said that, you know, each woman can kind of build what they want for themselves so they can find pieces of what's important to them, but there's no one position. Even if you start your own company, I mean, I can tell you right now, being a business owner is just as hard as it was to be an executive at a public affairs firm. There's just things that I like about it that are different. And so prioritizing those things is what's most important. And I think that's what's tough is that women often don't ask the questions that I force them to ask. Like, what's most important to you? What is your top priority? There are going to be times in your life where your family is going to take precedent and that's okay. There are going to be other times in your life where reaching for that promotion and making sure that you get a raise is the end all be all. And just being okay with kind of the season of life that you're in. So I'll end with that, that um, accepting different seasons and knowing that they're going to be different seasons in your career. I mean, that's what I would go back in time and tell myself that sometimes a job is just a job. You know, sometimes a job is to pay your rent and put food on the table and that's it. Other times it can be super fulfilling and it may be all you have going for you, you know? So I think the more that we kind of accept the reality of what it's like to be a working woman, we can actually draw a lot of positives from that. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. It's finding that gratefulness and that gratitude in each day, the things that you get to do in your employment, there's things that you, no matter what you do, there's going to be things that you don't like doing, but right. if you can acknowledge the things that you love about your job and honor those activities, you're just, you're going to be happier. So one of the things that women, um, anybody encounters is an opportunity to level up. So you're either in an entry level position and looking to move to manager, or you're a manager and you're looking to move, make a jump to exec. Tell us how to do that. How do you make that happen for yourself in your career? I love this question. And I think, honestly, we overcomplicate it. <laughs> we, uh, smart women for the most part go and do their jobs and they kind of just expect people to notice and then they go home or they just hope that someone will pay attention and eventually they'll be rewarded for it. And I think one of the things I like to do the most with women, especially ones that may describe themselves as maybe a little less confident is to look around your office or the people that you work with or even, you know, entrepreneurs or women on Instagram. And what do you admire about how they talk about their own success and kind of figure out your brand of how you talk about your success? We've all worked with people who are really good at promoting themselves. So that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. But what I mean is that you and you and you alone are responsible for your career. And even the best managers and best supervisors are not going to fight for you the way that you're going to fight for yourself. And I really do think it's a fight. I have gotten every raise that I've asked for. It was a battle each and every time. So the first thing I would do is look around you, find someone you want to kind of model your brand after and 
what I did when I did that for myself was I always wanted to be seen as a cheerleader and a support for the people around me. And so every decision that I made as a manager had that in mind. Well, sometimes that meant that my own success would kind of fall by the wayside. And so I've had to alter that brand to also add, but I can't forget my role. I can't completely uh, give all the credit to my team because then I won't get a raise. I won't make more money. And so over time, I've kind of refined that. So figure out what, what that version, um, you know, what that is for you. And your company may dictate that. You know, if you're doing something, one thing that makes you really sad is women will come to me and say, they, they don't care that I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And I say, I shrug my shoulders and say, okay, then we got to get you doing something else because they're not going to value that enough to give you a raise. So if you're working for someone else, you need to figure out what they value. And so that would be kind of the second step is, okay, what's most important to me is the first step. Second step is what do they value? How can I make my, you know, my boss's job easier? We've all heard that before. Um, one of my favorite exercises to do with career coaching clients is to have them take their original job description and rewrite it for the job that they do now. And a lot of times this causes quite a bit of consternation because people don't even know where that job description is. You know, they, they think back to when they were hired, it could be years ago, but it's a really good exercise to force yourself to think through, okay, am I asking for a raise because of loyalty or just simple math that I've been here a long time? Or am I adding more value? Are my results speaking for themselves? Have I taken on a ton more responsibilities? And in that case, you have made a huge case for yourself to make more money. So after you do that, and you can look at those things and say, okay, the job I was hired to do, or the last time I got promoted, it was for X, Y, and Z. Now it's completely different and I should be making more money because of those differences. And the last thing I'll say is when you go to make that case, you know, if you're talking to your boss in an annual review or you've asked for some time with your supervisor because you want to get a raise and it's not kind of in a traditional time frame, uh, make sure that you focus on the facts. One thing that women do a lot, and again, this is a stereotype, but I've managed obviously both men and women, and I saw this so much more with women, they would wait till something bad happened you know, the, a project was dumped on them and then they'd come in and they'd be really emotional and frustrated and they'd make a case for a raise because they were mad or they'd see someone else get promoted and they make it about someone else. Your career is about you. And so when you go in and talk about this, remove as much emotion from it as possible. Make it about the facts. The facts could simply be that you've done your homework and you've seen that more people in your industry are making more money and that may be it. I've been here for three years. I haven't gotten a raise. I would love to talk about increasing my salary by 15%. And here's why. Boom, boom, boom. Focus on facts. Don't make it about anyone else. Don't make it about anything but your results. And I think the more that we can do that, the more we also show other women what work is really about. It's not about being catty or getting caught up in office politics. In fact, the livelihood tagline is girls gossip, women work. One of the main reasons I focus on women is not necessarily because I think women need a ton of help, but I think it's because women need that reminder. 
that we do not gain anything by nudging other women out of the way. When we promote ourselves, we help everyone else. And we don't all have to be best friends, but we do need to support one another. Hey, just a quick break to remind you to head on over to emilyjansen.com to download your free copy of the top 10 myths about being a female leader in sports. This guide will debunk the top myths and lead you to the top. This guide will show you what's possible to achieve in life while having an incredible career in sports. Head on over to Emily Jansen, that's J-A-E-N-S-O-N.com and grab your copy. It's free. Now let's get back to this great interview. So I hope everyone has a pen handy because there were so <laughs> many great tips that Britt just laid out for us. So I'm, I want to review it really quick and then I'm going to add in a little bit uh, from my, my personal story. So the first one was don't forget to cheer for yourself. A lot of times we're cheering so much for our teammates and celebrating the successes that they've given our departments that we forget to include ourselves in that exclamation. So you've got to be your own biggest cheerleader. Um, the second one means so much to me because that's um, what I did to earn my last raise. I took my job description and I used a different color font to write in all the things that I was actually doing and could present that to my boss with, um, with, a, with a case on why I should be earning more money. And um, the negotiation was pretty simple. I, I was able to present all the value that I was adding and all the value I was adding above and beyond what I was hired to do. So obviously I'm a big advocate of, of that activity. And then the third thing that Britt said, pick up your eyes and look around you. And what is the most important thing uh, to to your boss and make sure you're articulating that or demonstrating that or working towards that person's goals. So then you can present the facts um, to that person at the right time, not when something bad happens or one of your peers gets a raise and all of a sudden you want to storm in because you want one too. <laughs> <laughs> did well, I get that right? We've all felt that, right? We've all yes. been where we've seen, why did John get a raise and I didn't? Well, honestly, it probably just comes down to John asked. Yeah. John's really good at promoting himself. <laughs> yeah. And it's happened to me with people that I supervise. I've had someone awarded um, a promotion or a raise. And then I see the next day a line outside my office of the next <laughs> group of people asking for or what's, what they think is due to them. Um, but it's typically triggered by the first person who presents the case, who gives me a solid plan, data, and reasoning as to why they deserve um, more pay or a title bump or recognition. Absolutely. So, and that, that's a really tough part about being a manager because that, that should not be the catalyst. It needs to be individual nothing turns me off faster than someone coming in and saying, I'm here later than so-and-so. Why am I not making more money than them? Because like I said, it, it really is so individual. And the more that you focus on that, the more money you'll end up making. So you talked about that you'd never been turned down for a raise. You've had a lot of success in your career. You were on a rocket ship pretty early on um, post-college. Post so Tell us 
how did you achieve that? And can you share some of those tips and tools with our listeners so that they can level up? Absolutely. I love this term uh, because honestly, the, the thing that it all boils down to is that I'm always focused on leveling up. I, I don't get comfortable, which comes with some difficult realities with boundaries and personal life problems, which I'll put aside for a moment. But I have started to kind of get in a good groove of, of being able to focus on the future without, you know, destroying my health or my uh, personal life. But I do feel like I have to add that, that they, the, the promotions that I've gotten have come at somewhat of a cost. And a lot of the reason why I think I've been promoted is because I try really hard to lift up the other people around me. Uh, A lot of the feedback that I've gotten has been centered on people liking working with me, uh, that I make it easy to work with me. I I would not say I'm an easy manager to work for because I have high expectations for people because I want them to make more money. I want them to be happy in their jobs and that requires being pushed. Uh, But a lot of it I think comes from kind of that cheerleader mentality. I, I don't think that that means, like I said earlier, that uh, I haven't talked about myself, but one of the kind of just beliefs that I have is that I earn it. And I, I see it with women all the time is that they just don't believe that they have earned it. And we, we don't always uh, earn everything that we get we've all seen like kind of how we were talking about people get promoted that don't really deserve it. Uh, one harsh reality that I realized in my second job, there was a guy that I worked with who I really liked him as a person. I'm just so friendly, not good at his job, but just the nicest guy. And he got promoted. And I just remember scratching my head and thinking, how in the world did this happen? And I realized it was because he was well-liked. And that's just, I mean, that's a junior high truth that I think bleeds into the workplace that I wanted to take pieces of that. Like I said, I I wanted people to want to work with me. And so when I went in to ask, it was never met with either a shock or a surprise because I delivered. Um, And I, that would probably be kind of my transition to my second tip is that I always tried to go above and beyond. I, try really hard to look at what's important to the company and focus on those things and ask my manager, how can I help you? And this is a really tough thing to do, especially early on in your career, because you can see lots of different problems. If you're a good problem solver, that to me in and of itself means that you'll get raises um, because you'll be more positive, you'll produce results. But honestly, at the end of the day, it's business and it will come down to money. And so if you're not solving problems that either bring in more money or help the company save money, it's really hard to advocate that you should be making more money. One of the things that I think millennials get a hard time for is that we often expect things quickly or just because we do a good job, we should get paid more. And I've had that conversation with lots of the people that I manage. You get a great paycheck because you show up that's not enough. And so I try really hard to solve problems that are very tangible. And then those are the things that I would bring up. 
Um, there's been times where I've asked for raises where I can tell I've thrown off my manager. You know, it's, it's early in their minds or uh, there's not money there, but they've made it happen because I can point to actual dollar figures and say, this wouldn't have happened if I hadn't got a, gone above and beyond and they haven't wanted to lose me. There's been a couple of times where I wasn't super happy with how that negotiation went. You know, I got the raise, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted. And so then I started looking elsewhere and finding a company where I would be more valued. But I think it all starts from a belief that I've earned it because I've done the work and uh, I can put a dollar figure to that work. So some really important things that you said there, putting a dollar figure to the work and are you a problem solver? And I think there's some confusion around this because people think in order to put a dollar figure to your job, you have to be in sales. And that is definitely not true. Um, You can do it across any landscape inside the business, whether whatever you're doing to make the business better, to drive profit, um, make that the example that you give when you go in and ask for a raise. I also, I mean, the fact that you said, you know, showing up and doing, doing the job, like that's what your base pay is for. It's going above and beyond and then proving it, showing the data that is going to earn you that next level. Absolutely. And I, like you said, I love that you mentioned with sales that, you know, you may work for a nonprofit. The majority of my experience was in government. I didn't do anything that made money, but I could attach value to it, sometimes in the form of a dollar figure, whether it was savings for our constituents or uh, simply savings on my salary. And it was time to improve my salary because we've been saving on my pay the year before. But it may not be money. It could be members that are joining your community group. If you work for a nonprofit, it could be grant related. So that again goes back to figuring out how you can add specific value in your role. Because I think what happens a lot with women is we solve really important problems because we see all of them. And I've gotten caught caught up in this. You know, I see a problem, I start to solve it. And then I realize, sadly, the C-suite just doesn't value that problem being solved. And I've wasted time and I'm not going to make any more money. So simply even just asking your manager, hey, I would love to get a raise in the next 12 to 24 months. What do I need to do to make that happen? I've maybe had two employees ask me that. Why don't we do that more? It's an easy question to ask. (laughs) I hear you on that. And that's probably one of the most important points of this entire interview is, did you ask anybody, right? Or did you just keep your head down and do what you thought was the best? Are you operating in this focus group of one where you think you know what the company wants? Um, And maybe you're on the wrong track. So what if you made the ask of that simple question? I could tell you, first of all, it would be appreciated. And second of all, you'd put yourself on the right street to get to the next level. And it's going to set you apart because a lot of people don't do that. So I think that's something that I've done from the beginning because I always had my eye on the prize and I wanted to make more money. In the beginning, it was out of desperation. I lived in Washington, D.C. and made terrible money for how expensive the city it was. And I thought, I'd really rather not nanny at night like I have been after my full-time job. So what am I going to have to do to make more money? And then it became kind of this constant pushing myself 
to, like you said, to level up, but you can't do that in a vacuum if you work with and for other people. So you are a career coach. Um, you help a lot of women to get this, this life of their dreams. If you can identify just one place where women are always tripping up or like a common theme that you've seen with all the women you work with, um, what is that one thing? And then what advice have you given to them? Ooh, that's a good question. I think a lot of it centers around confidence. Um, there's a lot of assumptions made that, you know, I think women hear my story and think, wow, she's always gotten every raise she's asked for. And now she's a coach and she was a VP and everything just fell into place for her. I was faking it just like you were, <laughs> you know, I didn't go into every negotiation thinking that for sure was going to happen, but I could back it up. And that's what I meant by I'd done the work so that I could be confident in the ask. But I think that we often compare ourselves or we see people getting promotions on LinkedIn or we talk to our friends and it, it seems pretty straightforward when it really is so much more art than science. So the biggest thing I would say is take a risk and start promoting yourself in a new and different way. And sometimes it's going to crash and burn. I mean, sometimes it's going to be a really tough conversation. Anytime you change anything in your life, it's going to be hard. So don't assume that other people are noticing the work that you're doing or that it's going to be easy. Uh, and that honestly, like everything in life, the hard work will pay off eventually. Or as I mentioned, you'll go somewhere else to a place that will recognize that hard work and pay you more. So a lot of what I do is kind of just help women craft their story so that in an interview, they can talk about their background in a way that is results focused. Uh, that is, that's probably the biggest thing is that women talk a lot about their responsibilities. Uh, generally women are, you know, we're maternal. We like to take care of our people. We're good managers because of that. We check all the boxes, we get things done. Uh, and as I mentioned in the very beginning, we sometimes just expect people to see that. So I, I think one of the biggest things that I do is help women kind of break out of their shell and become more confident. I really call what I do career confidence coaching because even really secure people struggle with this. I mean, I'll never forget reading Lean In when I was right out of college and Sheryl Sandberg talks about how she struggled with imposter syndrome and she was one of the first engineers at Google. And I just remember thinking, oh wow, so I'm gonna deal with this for the rest of my life. And I do. I mean, I have made goals for myself that I have conquered. I, it was really important to me to become a VP by the time I was 30. I made, you know, I've talked about these different goals that I've made for myself. And when that happened, I thought all of my kind of shame or the things that have been hard about my career would just magically disappear. No, I still struggle. I still get insecure. And so that's one reason why I wanted to start Livelihood was just to share that even women who look like on paper, this has been pretty straightforward for, it's not. And the vulnerability you shared is so inspiring. And um, I have a little go-to saying, um, 20 seconds of courage. Ooh, if, I love that. If I can muster just 20 seconds of courage, 
what could I accomplish? Because I'll be vulnerable right here, right now too. I mean, just even starting this podcast, I literally had to muster 20 seconds of courage to hit publish. I love it. Bad as I wanted to do this, as much as my heart just like burns to help other women achieve more, I, in fact, do also, I'm human. I still struggle with these same things. And so that's one of my little go-to quotes that helps push me over the edge. And um, I would love to hear from you, Britt, what is your favorite quote? Well, first of all, I love what you just shared. And I think that if more of us could muster that, I mean, just think of how much we let get in our way that doesn't need to be in our way. So thank you for sharing that. I'm going to adopt that. That may be my new favorite. (laughs) One of my favorites is from Amy Poehler. I don't know if you've read her book. Yes, please. But she has always really inspired me because I think she's hilarious. And Parks and Rec is my favorite having a background in government work. But she talks and has an entire chapter that is titled, Good for Her, Not for Me. And what I love about that thinking is that I've had to be a bit of a trailblazer. You know, I didn't know anyone in my space, you know, in my industry. I took pieces, you know, of things that I enjoyed, kind of put together this weird major, you know, combined double major, tried to figure out what I wanted to do. And I think we all have our own version of that. But as we progress or as we compare or as we see what other people are doing, I think women get really tempted to say, oh, but she's doing this, or I have a friend from college who's doing that, or I should, you know, in quotes, be at this point at this age. And the more that I have just kind of created this tunnel vision for myself, the more I've recognized what's actually important to me. And comparison is a really normal part of being human. Um, It's one of the reasons why I spend as much time on social media as I do because I just want to constantly remind women that if you want to go back to school and become a lawyer when you're 45, you can. It's never too late. If you want to quit your job for a year and travel, you can. doesn't matter if other people are saying that that's the wrong choice for you. And the more that we get comfortable with kind of going out on the limb and doing what makes most sense for us, the better. So I try and remind myself of that. It, it doesn't come naturally to me. I make choices to force myself to change. I'll, I'll give you an example. So when I worked in DC, after a few years, I was pretty burnt out on the Hill and I was trying to decide if I was gonna take another job on Capitol Hill or work somewhere else. And I'd been recruited to interview with the governor of Florida. I'm not gonna lie, I did not know that Tallahassee was the capital of Florida. I mean, I, I'd been to Disney World. And so I did a couple phone interviews. They offered me the job. It came completely out of left field. There's a baseball reference, right? That works. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And I took the job and I can't tell you how many people thought I was committing career suicide. They just thought it was so weird to go to work for a governor. I had no ties to Florida. I didn't know anyone there by far the best career decision I've ever made for myself. It's been my favorite job. It set me up to manage a large team for the first time. I was introduced to more traditional marketing and advertising, which pushed me into the private sector eventually. It made sense to no one else. 
So I hope that you take this. I, I obviously can't take credit for Amy Poehler's genius of just that short and sweet. Good for her, not for me. And that means there's going to be tons of decisions that you make that are good for you and not for anyone else. That is perfect. Uh, <laughs> slam dunk. There you go. There's a basketball <laughs> reference. We'll try to cover all the sports. I mean, I say sports ball. So I, like I said, I am the worst person <laughs> to talk about sports. And I so respect women who work in athletics because of it. <laughs> Well, that is incredible because you've, you've written your own story and um, your story now is to help women, no matter what industry, achieve the career of your dreams. So we cannot thank you enough for joining us today on the Leadership is Female podcast. So many great tips, really a roadmap to the next step in your career. Britt Larson, creator, coach of Livelihood. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Woo. Thank you, Britt Larson. I hope you really heard Britt today and take even one piece of advice to step into the office or next project with even greater confidence. Get rid of those limiting beliefs and embrace your desire to level up. It comes from the one and only you. Let's get into Britt's top four takeaways. Number one, confidence. Look around you and see what you admire about what other people are posting. What do you like about what they are saying or how they are promoting themselves? Bottom line, you have to fight for yourself. Certainly cheer for others, but don't forget to promote your role and your accomplishments. Number two, on promotion, take your job description and rewrite it for the job you want or the job you are actually doing. What does my boss need? What do they value? What is really important to the company and my manager? How can I contribute to that goal? Then, how can you attach value? Number three, when do you make the case to your supervisor for promotion? Don't wait until something bad happens, like a colleague gets a promotion or you are assigned a really big project beyond the scope of your job. You never want to ask under the pretense of reaction. When you know it's time, present the facts. Number four, gain confidence. How? Work to break the shell, your shell, by sharing your story. It's uncomfortable at first, so you have to get the reps and just start. It will get easier. Craft your story. What is my story? People like working with me, or I'm a phenomenal salesperson, or I am resourceful and come in under budget. Own your story with confidence and start sharing. If you want more from Britt, head over to her website, L-I-V-L-Y. H-O-O-D. That's livelihood.com. You can also find her on Instagram, underscore livelihood, underscore, or Pinterest at livelihood, or on Facebook at livelihood. Join the group. Hey you, did you join my email list? I want to stay in touch with you so that you'll have the heads up on new podcast episodes and get the tips you are looking for to empower you to level up. It's easy to sign up. Head on over to emilyjansen.com. I'm so excited you are here and I can't wait to help lead you forward in the career of your dreams. Again, that's emilyjanson.com. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? 
We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us.